This morning we'll be looking at the promises of God, so not all of them because there's so many in, in Scripture. Uh, and so there's so many promises, all right? And when God pledges something, that that something is going to be done. Okay, so God's promises, um, I got a question for the kids. Um, Jesus is teaching and he tells us to build our house. There's two different things he gives a picture of. Building your house on a rock or sand. All right, awesome. So Jesus tells us to build our, our houses, to build our life on the rock, which is himself, which is scripture. And so these promises are, the promises of God are like building our lives on a foundation that's sturdy. And when the storms come and when the waters rise, our lives will be secure in who Jesus is. God is faithful. Um, Numbers 23 verse 19 says this. It says, God is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he, has he spoken and ever failed to act? Has he promised and not carried it through? This is what God is saying. So the first bit, I mean, of course, God is not human. All right, God is actually, his ways are so, so much higher than our ways. I mean, we just talked about um, Christmas, Jesus coming as a human, which is amazing. That's so awesome. But I think today, maybe we need to pause and reflect on the bigness of God. If we look just at this picture behind me, as God is the creator, Scripture says he holds the stars in the palm of his hand. Uh, and we know now with crazy microscopes that there's billions of galaxies and in like a crazy amount of stars. And God is the one who created all of that. God is amazing. He's so much bigger and more awesome than we can possibly imagine. All right, so God is not human, that he does not change his mind. All right, so God, when he speaks... And he acts, all right? So these things are connected with God. Often with us, sometimes we might speak, uh, but not actually do something. Or, or our actions and our, what we say are two different things. That's not so with God. In youth group, uh, we have an acronym, acronym for this. It's ATNA, which stands for All Talk, No Action. That is not who God is. All right, God carries it through. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 4 say this. It says, God has bestowed upon us through his divine power everything that we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and virtue. The result is that he has given us through these things his precious and wonderful promises and the purpose of all this is so that you may run away from the corruption of lust that is in the world and that you may become partakers of divine nature. The first thing in here, God has bestowed upon us he has given us. Um, God is a giving God. Ultimately, he loves to give good gifts to his children. And what this also means is that we can't gain this on our own. We actually need Jesus to step into our lives and to transform us and to change us. All right, it says God does this through his divine power. Okay, he's not doing this through humanly power or more effort, but his divine power is perfect and infinite. All right, and he gives us everything that we need. Now, this word everything. So essentially, when we invite Jesus into our lives, he gives us this, this starter kit to become more like himself, to transform us and change us so that we would reflect God's goodness back into the world. That's what we're created to do. So has anyone ever here been on a trip? Probably most of us have been on some sort of trip. Some of us just kind of throw stuff in a suitcase or in our bag last minute. Some of us like 
bring on our checklist and we make sure to tick everything as we go. And even if we do that, how often do we still miss something? Every time. Anybody here been camping and forgot a sleeping mat or sleeping bag or pillow? All right, it can, if you forget one thing, it can drastically change your trip, potentially, for sure. And so I remember uh, our youth group goes on a camp out on Vancouver Island every kind of May, June, and uh, the students decided to pull a prank on their leader one time, and so actually before he set up his tent, they were able to take and hide his tent poles. Now a tent is very useless without its tent poles, but the story doesn't end there, of course, and so... By the time we finally got them to give the tent poles back, they had actually, one of the tent poles they had given back, I can't remember, it was either a foot or two longer or shorter than the original pole. And to watch that leader try and set up his tent and it didn't work was hilarious. All right, so this isn't what God is giving us. God gives us everything that we need for life and godliness through him. And so in the result is that through these things we have his precious and wonderful promises. And that's so, so fantastic, so great. So through these things, so I want to combine these two, everything and these things, what are those things? And so I actually just want you to take a moment, chat with your neighbors, what are the things that God gives us for life and godliness? So take a moment with your neighbors to discuss that. All right, so let's, let's bring that back. And I would love to hear from a few of us. We can maybe just shout these things out. Food. Amen. I hope we've all done lots of that this week. I know I have. What are, what are these things that God has given us for life and godliness? Holy Spirit, that's so, so good. So God has given us his Holy Spirit. Just give me a second. I want to talk about that one. So God's Spirit is what draws us to Jesus in the first place. It's what convicts us of our sin, but then it guides us into truth. So the Holy Spirit is our guide. The Spirit is our comforter. It comes in and dwells in our hearts to lead us. Um, and it is also our advocate. All right, This is kind of a legal term that we have God, the Holy Spirit, advocating for us in life. So the Holy Spirit is huge, and it illuminates the Scripture, makes it jump out on us. That's such a good one. What else? What, what has God given us? Youth group. Youth group. Thanks, Alex. That's great. Church, though. I'm going to say God has given us church, and this is something that I want us to really think about. He's given us a community of believers to help carry one another's burdens, um, to lift one another up, to confront one another and challenge one another, and to grow together in a community. God has given us the church. That's so good. What else has God given us? Grace, absolutely. Peace, life, yeah. Testimonies, yeah, God's story. Again, people in the church working to see how God is working through us. Um, of the Bible, very good. That's going to be helpful for your Christian life, absolutely. Uh, of course, he's given us Jesus and salvation. I'm just going to do a little cross here. I don't know if this is worse or better than a chalkboard, but here we are. 
Um, and so, God has given us these precious and wonderful promises, but what's the purpose of that? The purpose is important. The purpose is so that you may run away from the corruption of the world. That you can run away from the sin and the lust. Why? So that you can become partakers of the divine nature. Now, this isn't meaning that we somehow become part of God or that we become gods like some other religions suggest. It's not talking about that, but it's about that we put on God's character. All right, Roman 8 tells us that we are to be conformed to the image of Christ. And so we are to reflect, as I said earlier, we are to reflect God's goodness to the rest of the world around us. That's the purpose, that we don't look the same as the rest of the world, but we partake in by being this giving, generous, loving, joyful, peaceful people. Okay, so that's our intro on, on the promises of God and the purpose. So we're going to do, we're going to have a little bit of fun. I got a few extra Bibles at the front. Uh, hopefully going to do mostly paper. We're going to need some participation here. Um, sword drills are finding the verse. So essentially how this is going to work, I'm going to say swords up and you're going to hold your Bible by its spine up in the air with a straight arm, not a crooked arm because that might get you there faster with a straight arm. And so I'm gonna, it's going to be on the screen. I'm going to call it out a book of the Bible with a chapter and a verse. So for example, um, we got Ephesians 6, 17, which is right here, uh, which says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. All right, again, so the Spirit's connected to the Word. That's good. Uh, so this is where we get the name sword drills from, from this verse here. So essentially, the first person to stand with their finger on the passage will win and get lots of um, accolades, I'm sure. It's going to be great. Um, And you'll get to read out the verse for us. Any questions? Okay, so we are going to give this a go. Are we ready? So swords up. The first one is Psalm 32, verse 8. I did that in the first service, too. Psalm 32, verse 8. Maybe um, you guys can help me see who was first. Was that Lynn or Gabby? I'm going to, oh, we'll go with, she even has a baby in her hand. How is that possible? Wow. (laughs) Okay, so we'll let her read this out here. All right, so has anybody here ever had like a really bad teacher? And it's like a lot of us, and it's like the last thing you want to do is go to class, and it's no good. I've been, so um, I live in a little community, townhouse complex, and so there's these older kids on the playground, and I'm asking them about the teachers in their elementary school because I want to know about the good teachers, and if there's any teachers that are just like, you don't want to go there. And so I've been doing a little bit of research because you, you don't want to have a bad teacher. But who here has had like an amazing teacher or professor? You're signed up for this class. You're excited to go and just learn from someone who's so brilliant. All right? And now think about this. God will instruct and teach us. We have the most amazing teacher, again, tying back in with the Holy Spirit. The question is, will we let God teach and instruct us through his word, through community, through the Holy Spirit in 2020. Wouldn't it be amazing if we carried on and just really dug in 
and learned so much and gained wisdom so that our lives can be transformed and we could be more and more effective. I love this part here we're going to have to look for. There's lots of I will statements, things that God is saying that he's going to do. So I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. That's going to be helpful. And then he says, I will counsel and watch over you. All right, this is God's promises to us. Isn't that awesome? It's so good. Okay, we're going to go to the next one. So swords up. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. So students in the front who already know it, do you want to watch who's first? They already were here last service. (laughs) We have Sophia in the front. Nice work. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13 says this. Thank you. That's good. So no temptation has seized you except what is common to mankind. I think this is really good. I think one of the biggest lies that we believe when we're struggling with something, when we're struggling with a temptation or a sin that we can't kick, is that I am the only one in the world that struggles with this. All right, I've been in many circles, often small group circles, where someone finally gets the courage to say, this is what I'm struggling with, and it's real and honest and most of the time, at least half of the people are like, well, you know what? I struggle with that too. It's such a common lie that you're the only one who struggles with something. And again, this community, we need to help one another with our struggles. But it's hard to help one another if we, can't actually, if we don't actually say what we need help with. So that's, that's a common lie. The enemy loves to keep our struggles inside because then we're actually, un, most of the time, unable to be effective in beating them. All right, God is faithful. So good. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. All right, I think this is, this is a good, God is gracious. All right, it's not saying that God's going to stop all temptations and make your life super easy. He's going to let temptations come, but he knows how far that we can be pushed. All right, and he knows that if we don't have any trials or any issues in our life, we don't grow because trials And pressures, they create perseverance. They create godliness and faithfulness. And they actually grow us as people. So he's going to allow there to be temptation there. He says, but when you are tempted, he will also provide, God's a great provider, he will provide a way out. So that he'll provide a way out. And so I've been lots of times in my life when temptation has been knocking on my door and there's this, that split second that I know is the Holy Spirit where I'm offered, I can stop this behavior or action or words or I can continue with them. And sometimes I've listened to the Holy Spirit and other times I haven't and I've carried through and acted on that temptation. But God provides a way out. And I kind of like this idea, stand up, under it, all right? So these, these temptations, these things can, can crush us in a sense, but with God's help, we can stand up and stand strong under it. Okay, um, for this next sword drill, do we have any, maybe a pair of people that would like to do old school paper Bibles versus new school cell phone Bibles? Would they like to duel? Do I have anyone in the audience who would be willing to do that? <laughs> no? 
So we'll just go standard then. Oh, we got Nikolai. You're going to take on someone? So Nikolai has his phone. Does anyone want to challenge him with a paper Bible up front with finding the verse? And so Nikolai, your Bible app's got to be off. That's usually my rule with this thing because if your Bible's closed... Okay, are you guys good? The rest are you're more than welcome to come along, but we're going we're gonna to watch for Nikolai and, and Alex. Okay, here we go. It is Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. Paper versus electronic. Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. Oh, we got Nikolai. Just beats him by a second. Uh, oh, <laughs> he wants it. He wants it. All right, Nikolai, go ahead. Oh, so good. Thank you. So, I love paper Bibles. It is called the Holy Bible. And what does holy mean? Set apart. All right, so therefore it's set apart. And to me, there's just something about just having your Bible and it's all connected with the Bible and not connected with all that other stuff on your iPad or phone, which is email, work, uh, entertainment, all sorts of things, shopping. And at the same time, so I'm, I'm a little bit of a conundrum here, at the same time, of course, our Bible reading and knowledge is supposed to infuse everything we do. So those are kind of my two conundrums with old school versus new school. And obviously, I got some new school today. Um, back to this verse. So the Lord goes before you. And I believe this is coming out of Deuteronomy. So Moses, at the end of their 40 years in the wilderness, after the Israelites were rescued from Egypt, they had a God, God's spirit, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night that actually led them through the wilderness. So God is the one who goes before you. And he says, I will be with you. This is, this is a comforting passage. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. And this is just an amazing promise for all the ups and downs of life that we go through. And in just a minute, I'm going to call one of the youth on stage um, who went through a very difficult season in her life. Um, if you've been at our church for a long time, you know the Harada family. Um, they're an amazing family. Jeff and Christine took their kids to the Philippines. They went to a remote jungle tribe in the mountains, and they planted a church there, which is really amazing. Um, but if you know their family story... Uh, a number of years ago, they had to come home. Christine was diagnosed with cancer, uh, and she passed away. And so Grace has wrote, written a spoken word poem um, kind of a about after her time of grieving. And so um, Grace is going to share with us. So, this is yeah, I'll use Grace. this. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. God is good. He gave me the gift of joy amidst my grieving. Um, but that was a little bit confusing for me because I thought in grieving you should be sad and that's it. But um, I had this immense joy. And so um, this was kind of just a poem for me to like kind of process that um, and like why I have this. Um, so here it goes. 
Why do I deserve this? My pain went away, replaced with joy instead of hopelessness. I guess I asked for it, and so many people prayed for me to have it. So why should I question it? You gave me something good and amazing in my brokenness. Not only am I fine and alive, but I thrive. When I feel I have too much, I give. Give to someone who I feel needs it or deserves it more than me. But I'm not talking about those days when all this joy hasn't gone to waste. I'm talking about those nights when I wonder, sometimes even scared that this supply might run out. If I reject you, is this joy going to stay? Is this just a high or are you holding me up? If I let go, will it drop and will it stop? The thought of me being able, the thought that my being able to be happy is insanity. The thought that maybe my lack of pain is me suppressing my humanity. Some nights I search for the darkness I think I should have. Think of my mom and the life maybe I would have had. Don't think I'm not thankful for my God and what he's done for me. But being broken with all these broken pieces, being whole just feels strange to me. It feels good that I'm not sad, and maybe I'm overthinking things, but surely it can do no harm. Your loving warmth with my cold, dark cloud should create a lightning storm, but instead I feel defeat. You broke down all my walls and all my anger was released. What my heart should have rejected was what I needed all along. You gave me peace, so why do I feel like something's wrong? I know why we say we drown in your love, because sometimes we are overwhelmed by our emotions, reaching for the surface to regain control of the situation. But this is not the end of you. It's what comes next that is the start of something new. See, when you let go and drown in all of his glory, the part of you dies, and from your burdens you're set free. Your life does not define you, and neither does your pain. And the sorrow, what matters is not what you lost, but what you gained. Why the feeling of his love is so foreign is because there's nothing else like it. Hearts break in a second but in, and take a lifetime to heal, but his restoration and love is infinite. Do broken people ever get fixed, and does pain outweigh joy? I say no. God is the answer, and he can make you better than you were before, so to that I say rejoice. Again, why do I deserve this? My pain went away, replaced, replaced with joy instead of brokenness. I say I don't deserve it. I say it is insane, but the reason for my madness is not what's inside my brain. Me being able to be happy is not insanity, for I trust the God who is the inventor of my humanity. I am a jar that has been put back together, and through all the cracks, his love shines even brighter. I am a diamond, and I am gold, and through the immense pressure and heat, it's his light that I unfold. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that, Grace. Um... Yeah, it's just such a well-thought-out poem of God being there and supporting someone who's never leaving you in the midst of a great tragedy. So, Grace, thank you for for sharing that with us this morning. And this is a really hard transition. Uh, As we carry on, I have a few more sword drills and verses for us. Um, But I just want to say, yeah, thank you to the Harada family, and they're such an inspiration to this community, um, for sure. Okay, so we're going to go to the next sword drill now. Are we ready? Psalm 103, verses 11 to 12. Psalm 103, 11 to 12. All right, we got Travis. Oh, it might have been, it might have 
Okay, she's going to let Travis read. Thanks, Travis. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. God's love for us is so great, it's so infinite and big that we can't even comprehend it. All right, in that little part about fear him, it's not like we're super afraid of God. All right, Jesus has taken any fear and wrath of punishment. 1 John 4 says, um, oh, it says, just blanking on this, um, perfect fear, perfect love drive, casts out all fear and anxiety. All right, but we have, should have this healthy respect for a God who is so big and his love is so good for us. But the part I wanted to focus on is, as far as the east is from the west. Now remember, this psalm was written at a time before they knew the earth was round and they didn't know where the west or the east ended. The idea is that it's infinite. And we live in a different age. I was able to ask Surrey, what is the circumference of the earth, uh, which is about 40,000 kilometers and so even if God takes our transgressions 40,000 kilometers away, that's pretty good. But the idea is that God is removing our sin and our stain and our shame infinitely away from us. Isn't that amazing news? God has removed our transgressions from us. We need to believe that and we need to walk in light of that. It's so good. All right, next one. Swords up. I think two more. John 14, verses 13 to 14. All right, let's see who grabs this one. John 14, verses 13 to 14. Yeah, Debbie. All right, here it is. Sorry. All right. That's so good. So ask in my name. It's not like asking in Jesus' name is some sort of magic formula that gets us everything we want. All right, when he says, I'll do whatever, or ask me for anything, anything. God, I want a sports car. I want a house in the Bahamas. Uh, I want to work two days a week and make six figures. I don't want to study. I want to get six, straight A's, so on and so forth. Is that what God is getting at here? I don't think so. And I think we get, we get this clue uh, right here. What are we asking for? Things uh, that the Father may be glorified in. All right, so John uh, might go on to explain this further in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, where he says, The confidence we have in approaching God is this, that if we ask anything, again, we got that anything, but here's the tension, according to his will. He hears us. If we ask anything according to God's will, he hears us. All right, so figuring out what is God's will, what is going to glorify God. All right, I think too often we downplay this verse, though. I think we need to take Jesus a little more at his word. What would it look like if we as a church in 2020 got on our knees a lot more and prayed that God would do the impossible? 
where lives would be healed, where lives would be transformed, where relationships would be reconciled and brought back together. Wouldn't that be amazing? God can do the amazing through our prayers. And here Jesus is saying, ask me. Ask me for anything. What would be crazy that God could do that would glorify his name in 2020? Let's press into that. Let's pray for that. And he will do it. It's so fun to watch God at work. Okay, last one. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. Melody? Yeah, you can read it if you want. Uh, oh, he's, <laughs> he's got a toddler. <laughs> you want him to read it? Oh, Melody is deferring to Travis. love this passage. It's so good. I thought it would be really great. Even with the kids here, we can try it. Just take a moment, read through it two more times, and just let, let those promises of God just kind of sink into your heart or to wash over you. Just take a moment. In God's great mercy, he has given us, again, a giving God, he's given us new birth into a living hope. I love this living hope. All right? This is one of the things that makes Christianity different from any other worldview or faith. Every other system has a founder who claimed to point to God, where Jesus claims to be God. And every other founder has a grave and a gravestone. But Jesus does not. His grave is empty, and he is at the right hand of the Father of God in control of the universe. We have a living hope in Jesus, and I've become more and more convinced in the last few years, if Jesus did not bodily raise from the dead, Christianity wouldn't exist, this church wouldn't exist, and we would not be here this morning. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And here's the part I love. Into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. It's kept in heaven for us. And we're shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that's ready to be revealed. All right, God is so good. He's so merciful. He's given us so much. And this is the eternal hope that we have in Jesus Christ that eternally nothing will be able to touch us in the afterlife. And we will have this amazing eternal life with Jesus Christ where the new world and the new heaven is made right and where it's renewed and restored and that is the hope that is why we gather that is why we learn about Jesus and we want to enter into that right now today as we start living that out and reflecting God's goodness and glory we get to start that and that will take us into all eternity so in just a moment we're going to sing a song called So Will I a hundred billion times by Hillsong 
uh, which might be a new one again for you, but it's a great song to reflect on the promises of God. Let me pray. God, we thank you that you are so big, you are so wise, eternal and infinite, and so good and gracious and merciful. God, we thank you for your promises. God, we thank you that you're, or and we trust that your promises will take us through hard times in life, that you will always be with us, that you will be near to us, that we don't have to be afraid. God, that you will teach and instruct us. God, that you will allow us to defeat sin in our lives and temptation. Lord, you are so good. May we rest in these promises. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.